We solemnly swear we're up to no good. Hi, I'm Gary Roby. I am Victoria Laguna. And we're the hosts of Harry Potter Minute, the fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. Join us as we argue about whether or not McGonagall would meow at Dumbledore. She wouldn't. As we ponder just how much Harry's fortune is worth. Just $40. As we guess how much mileage one gets out of an Ollivander wand. 100,000 jinxes. As we detail the ins and outs of Hogwarts Castle. He's only a model. Join us Monday through Friday, only from DuelingGenre.com. Mischief Managed. Dueling Genre. and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring one awkward glance at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. <laughs> I'm Norman Mitchell. And joining us again today is our friendly neighborhood, Zach Luna. Hi, welcome. guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, and today we'll be talking about Minute 94, which starts with er- um, Elrond finishing his line from yesterday. He says, leaderless. And ends with Boromir kind of tentatively calling Aragorn a friend, which yes. I love. Yeah. I love so much. Uh, Aragorn's kind of rude here. He's just super little, rude. Uh, because Boromir just asks him who he is, and he's just like, a friend of Gandalf the Grey. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's not impolite, yeah. but he doesn't really give a lot of information right. like he, but also he like because he, he doesn't asking. give his yeah. name right yeah like because he doesn't give his yeah. name boromir also seems put off by that mm-hmm. like he asks right. you ask someone who they are and they don't tell you their name it's yeah. kind of rude a little bit especially when you're ostensibly like in a friendly place yeah a friendly place and you're there to like discuss the fate of the entire world like <laughs> we're we're all we're okay right like let's all be friends here and he's just <laughs> No, I want to be aloof in this corner reading my book, so that's important. Um, Also, like, Aragorn is just brooding near the thing that reminds him of a part of himself he hates. I know! Like... like, I've never really thought about it that way before, but he totally just hangs out by, like, the thing that... That he believes will kill him. Yeah. Like... It's like... I'm gonna go read this book and hate myself tonight. I've got to remind myself. I'm gonna go about skulk it. now. Yeah. <laughs> was that was that line from Angel the series? Where <sighs> it was like uh, really honed my brooding skills. You know, I, I had yeah. a long time to really hone my, <laughs> my brooding skills. Um, oh man! If it's and I, I mean he has yeah. young Aragorn's like ninety, so he's had some time to hone his brooding skills. Yeah. He's like eighty something. Yeah, yeah. He's had he's had a bit of time. Um, if it's if it's all right, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that I have almost no memories of this scene at all because this this little exchange here, this minute itself, is um only present in the extended edition of the um of the Fellowship of the Ring. Is that correct? Like this is the bit yes. meeting right before Boromir picks up the sword. Uh which is not in the theatrical edition of the film. Um, we st- spoke a bit earlier this week about like my first interactions with uh, Fellowship of the Ring, where I went inside day after day after day as as a as a young person um, and sort of burned the pacing of the film into my brain. So I yeah. I I love the theatrical edition. That was like the the film for me that like broadened my horizons, opened up my world, and so when. 
when I it was finally out of the theaters and I bought it on VHS. Oh, yeah, on VHS. Uh, they didn't have <laughs> an extend. They didn't have a DVD, and we didn't have a DVD player in my household. So even though fairly quickly there was a special edition DVD available of the Fellowship of the Ring, I still only had my VHS copy of the um, theatrical edition, which is what I continued to watch for years. And when I finally did buy a um, a DVD of the film, I, I kind of didn't want the the extended edition. I I kind of like just wanted the film that I loved, and and also knew that I could that there was extra footage out there that I could like save like years down the road when right. I, there's still a little bit more of Lord of the Rings out there. Of course, I caved immediately on Two Towers and Return of the King, but I kept up for about a decade. Uh, I never saw the extended edition of the fellowship of the ring. In fact, this I think watching it for this podcast right now is only the second time that I've ever seen the extended edition of fellowship of the ring. Wow. Yeah. Well, well this it I just out. recently went out of my way to get copies of the theatrical versions. Yeah, cuz I've never mm. seen the theatrical I've only You've ever never seen, seen the extended. Seen Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, so it's That's amazing. kind of backwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely come at the the storytelling and pacing I'm, I'm sure in different ways, like what feels essential or what feels normal. And to, to me, like when I do watch the um, extended editions, I, I feel like there's a hitch in my, in my step sometimes. I'm, I'm much more comfortable with the other two movies, but on this one, it's like when we popped up to this minute, I'm like, this is, this doesn't happen. This is not, <laughs> <laughs> this isn't real. Something's wrong here. Something's... Can you smell it in the air? Right. 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 And it's, it's, at feel least, it in the air. I, it's probably at least worth talking about like why, if you have to winnow down a film to uh, you know a certain cut later on, which scenes you choose to be uh, extraneous or which ones you think are essential, and then which ones are still good enough to include on the theatrical edition. Obviously, this exchange is there's a lot to it. It's it's weighted, and both of them sort of like testing each other out, and Boromir trying to be you know polite as much as he can, and sort of meeting this mysterious wall of Aragorn-ness um, that he doesn't yeah. know is Aragorn. But, but ultimately this yeah. is somewhat redundant with their initial interactions at the council. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it, to me it feels like And that's why like, this got cut. Right. It, to me it feels like in the in the council we already have a, a sort of dramatized version of this where the stakes are a little bit more high in that who are you to talk about this? We don't know who you are, a mysterious person and then somebody else, you know, finally throws down his credentials uh yeah. to, for them to have this little moment beforehand um it, it it i guess to me it makes it makes it feel like it takes something away from that other scene but i'm sure if this is the only version you've ever seen it's almost like setting it up or or a precursor to it or or something along right. those lines yeah and i i personally like this scene a lot because i think it humanizes boromir yeah. uh before because if your first interaction with Boromir is just like waving the sword around and then like being a dick at the council, right. like there's not that emotional investment, I think. Because then we have to wait all the way to him playing with Mary and Pippin right. for something like humanizing. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, <clears throat> and this, uh, this whole thing also, I think the earlier you get this interaction out of the way, yeah. the the better the like Boromir versus Aragorn like dramatic structure kind of works. Sure. Like the the quicker you set that up and the more you hammer it home, I think it makes it feel 
like stronger stronger by the time we get boromir's last words i think that's fair but i i would also think that in the theatrical cut of this film with whatever else has transpired in the first half of the movie we would be just as earlier we'd be at the council already like in terms of times we spent like this this around this time we'd already be at the council seeing their first interaction so it's almost like it doesn't set it up earlier it just sets it up in a different way and and if you're pacing the film out on a longer time frame maybe we do need to have this moment now but i I don't know if it like generally in the entire structure of the story matters that much you know what i mean that like and especially for me growing up like thinking about boromir and uh our first exposure to him being if we don't have this minute that we're in right now we basically have him arriving uh which we saw earlier this week you know in rivendell looking very out of place and having an awkward interaction here where he looks around at the stuff almost decides to have a conversation with aragorn but doesn't really and instead messes with the thing it's almost like he gets caught messing with the sword rather than oh we had our first interaction now we're doing this. And it's almost like he he reacts like a scared little boy who was, you know, caught with his hand in the cookie jar instead of an extension of the tension that was already available there. So right. to me, the the scene with them here with the Shards of Narsil always felt like we're humanizing Boromir in terms of his uh his vulnerability instead of his politeness or whatever it might be. So that mm-hmm. it was like yeah. a very different approach to him that like my first vision of of boromir is him being a little bit uh insecure and uh a little bit skittish and i I, that that sort of primes my um relationship with him to you know question how how brash his decisions might be later if he's this callous with a thing that still plays out in the longer version of the scene but we do have this more like open like regal you know hello hello person you know like he like he's a member of the court and less like a bro who's messing with things he's going to be touching. <laughs> right. You know? Also, and <clears throat> also, um, and this is something to think about too, in the way that Boromir is characterized of the the arrival shots that we see. Yeah. Legolas arrives with some other elves. Yeah. Gimli arrives with other dwarves, but and Boromir arrives, arrives alone. alone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which he, I think helps helps frame Boromir as being out of place. His isolation, yeah, is 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 visually introduced and not just because, uh, yeah, a consequence. Boromir is the most compli- one of is arguably the most complicated character in the Fellowship of the Ring mm-hmm. off the yeah. page. Right. Uh, so there's a lot going on with Boromir, and I think that this little minute helps continue to translate some of that. And maybe that's just more for book fans, sure. And that's part of why it got cut as well, because yeah. they're worried about people that haven't seen haven't read the books watching these movies they're like what do we what do we need to get to immediately like what what is the most important aspect of this of this scene is it the um talking about the lore of like which elves hang out where or that men are here right now or is the most pertinent thing to see someone interact with this heirloom in this uh disrespectful way and then transition immediately into this sort of reverential regret thing that Aragorn has going on. Um, I, I don't yeah. know for me, it's, it's just, it's an entirely different way of looking at it. And it always sort of trips me up for me. My instinct is that it feels wrong and it feels uh, uh, unnecessary or excessive, but there's plenty here that's fascinating and interesting and doubly weird because I'm not used to it. 
um, mm-hmm. that like I have to be careful not to just assume oh well the right version of this movie is the version <laughs> you know like no right. no they're they're doing it wrong they left the scene on for too long we got to get to the next the next beat or whatever but um right. especially I'm not sure uh minute wise huh, minute wise uh like which of the films is the shortest overall but I I think this it one. is fellowship uh theatrical. it is fellowship yeah uh, yeah yeah it has a different pacing and- I think than the other two. Uh, part part of that They're is, each about you know, a half hour longer than the one before them, extended-wise, uh, I believe. Oh, I see. I um, see. Theatrical-wise, I'm not 100% sure how much longer each one is. Return of the King's definitely the longest theatrical one, too. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'm pretty sure Two Towers is longer theatrical, but I don't, don't know how by how much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the theatrical Return of the King is still a three-hour movie. Got right. it. Got like, it. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's a lot. It's a lot, no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, two, I, I want to say Two Towers has the most it. extra stuff added in, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. yeah. And then Return of the King might have the least extra yeah. stuff added. Mm-hmm. Right. They kept in a lot more uh, in the, in the I later think ones. This, um, because this you scene... need to, con- when you're concluding things, there's a lot of stuff to tie up right. into this up, movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it has like five different endings. Right. There's like the, the, the fake out <laughs> black screen. <laughs> right. Which then, everyone has also made fun of, but right. it. It's easy to do because it's kind of silly. I think this scene also speaks to the importance of editing a film because it yeah. really dictates. Because, I mean, aside from Boromir kind of riding in with, like, the windswept hair and whatever, like, mm-hmm. this is our first interaction, really. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you can have polite, awkward kind of schoolboy Boromir, like we were talking about earlier, or mm-hmm. we can have, like, kind of rude Boromir, just immediately that, kind of crass yeah and that immediately colors your perception of him throughout the rest of the movie yeah so, especially through the council yeah because without this minute you don't feel like boromir might be like conflicted but with yeah. this minute you can kind of see more conflict with the way that he starts to present his right. case yeah yeah i'm interested to watch the theatrical after After talking about this at length yeah oh yeah (laughs) sure yeah yeah yeah. how it feels because i don't know if i've ever yeah i don't know if i've ever theatrical fellowship all at once all at once i probably have but i don't know if i ever have i don't know if i ever really have oh you got it i've definitely seen the theatrical yeah um but i don't know if i've sat down and watched it all at once before yeah because i've 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 had the extended since each one came out yeah since each one came out yeah i i the only time i've sat down and watched the extended fellowship all the way through was the first time i'd ever seen the extended fellowship uh all the way through and that was i want to say like two years ago something like that uh there was a um a screening in la at the at the arclight which is this like somewhat fancy theater that they have and they were doing a revival screening of Lord of the Rings and they were like, we're going to play the Fellowship of the Ring. And I was super excited, obviously. I, I bought yeah. a ticket like months in advance. And I went there and I sat down in my cushy seat and they had this enormous screen. And then like two minutes into it, I realized this isn't the move. This is another. I I was saving this for forever. And it was it wasn't oh, me. No. <laughs> you know, No, but it was fine because it was uh, that it was a surprise. But it also like it wasn't me like finally breaking down one day and putting in a dvd and sitting on my laptop or in front of a tv it was in the cinema with the full surround sound music and everything and i you know i was like i was weeping by the end of it but i was amazed that like there that was that was almost another pure experience for me and i loved it obviously i i still prefer Mm -hmm. the theatrical cut because it's the one that (laughs) means so much to me but i 
it was such a unique thing that like I sat down to watch a movie I'd seen a hundred times before and I saw a a new version of that that I wasn't expecting. It was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was fun. That's so cool. That is yeah. cool. I, I would love to see the extended editions on the big screen. I had a chance to a few years ago, but I uh I wound up not doing it. My sister was trying to trying to drag me to a marathon of all three in a row for a, in a in a movie theater. Oh, oh boy. So. That's a lot though. The, the extendeds um, in a row is a that's a that's a tough day. That's I've I've done that I've watched all three extendeds in a row at least a half a dozen times, if not like close to 10. I've done it. I've done it once. And then I didn't watch them again Um, like until a decade later. Actually, actually definitely more than 10 because I have sat down and watched the three extendeds in a row, five days in a row, all four commentaries and then the movie. Oh my God. (laughs) That's so I've done that. Like sat there watched the screen and just listened to the commentaries for 12 yeah, that's hours ridiculous multiple I times i've yeah i've i've listened through all the commentaries on the um on the extendeds multiple times but i usually make like a weekend of it like uh with whoever i'm watching with we're like okay we're today we're gonna do fellowship and we'll watch it and then watch it with commentary and so that we have like two you know three hour sessions that day that are lord of the Rings stuff and then the next day we do two towers the next day we do Return of the King, so that I don't have any one day that has 10-ish hours of content in it, but by the end about of that About 11 weekend, hours and 58 minutes. Yeah, it's oh like 12 hours. God, oh my God. But that maybe by a the, little more? Yeah, maybe a little more. But that by the end of the weekend, I have seen each twice. So that that's like where I land on it. You know, that I'll I'll do a, a big day, but I, I try not to do three in one day because that's uh, just a lot for my brain. Just, I used <laughs> to watch them all on New Year's. I used to watch all three of them on New Year's, like start around like either like 11 or noon and then watch them all. And then it's midnight. And yeah, like so that's that was like a wow. thing that I did for a long time. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to do that at some point. I'll have to like hunker down and just have it the, is, the whole 12. It is an undertaking. It, it yeah, is an undertaking. It's, it's, it's a, a thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a big thing. I wonder so, what it would be like if you did the full marathon one day. Uh uh, uh, with the extendeds and then like a day later do the full marathon with the theatricals and see if it does feel substantially brisker or you know uh different or or strange i've never i've never tried it it's, there's always i know i haven't yeah. seen the um i haven't seen the theatrical of two towers or return of the king since i saw them in theaters so yeah wow i i usually watch the extended two towers um but I do. I do. I still still have the theatrical of all three of them. That's like, for me, for some reason, that feels more pure to just like, this is what I saw in the theater. That's what I want to see, and then it's like a special treat to watch the extra bits. Um, yeah. You know, on on special days. Yeah. Like this. We have a long like way to go, this- but I'm already so ready to talk about Two Towers. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's wild, but. Uh, hey, look at that great painting in the background. Um, I'm pretty sure what well, you probably know this better better than I do, uh, trivia master. But um, I think Alan Lee hand painted that entire um, uh, uh, like fresco type thing in the background. The moment of yeah, the um, uh, that what, sort of what like, are they call the, the, uh, triptych. The triptych. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Triptych. triptych that they have there. That I think not only did he design it, yeah, not only did he design it, but that he went in and physically painted the one that's on the wall it's like one of the few and, uh, times i think they also art. mentioned he did it within uh, a few days before they started filming here that's oh, as well god so 
they had decided like fairly fairly late yeah. what they wanted everything to look like from the prologue to make the painting for yeah, yeah. because it needed to match so yeah. alan lee did the painting after they figured out everything they wanted to do for how things were going to look in the prologue and then he did right. the painting and then filmed here he also designed the sculpture that's holding narsil Oh, love, which I we'll love see a uh, better tomorrow. look at tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah. But it's beautiful. I do. I do like just it framing their conversation in terms of, and, and it'll, it'll happen tomorrow some more too, that the difference between your idealization of the past or the way the past is described or depicted or uh, revered and like the actual dirty gritty uh, moment as it happened that we have this painting idealization of the moment with Narsil just after seeing Elrond's flashback seeing the, right. for the second or third time the actual like gory dirty scream and the and the the thing falling down that that what becomes part of the myth and what what stays behind i love it yeah, yeah. because um yeah the the reuse of the prologue thing is something that peter was a really big fan of from the beginning mm -hmm. he wanted to constantly call back to it uh instead of showing you the whole story of the prologue all at once he wanted to break up yeah. the tail end of it and come back to it to finish the story to kind of ease people into the stakes as we went through. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's great. It's great. It's well interwoven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, any other um, thoughts here? So cool outfits. I just want to call attention to um, Aragorn's like smoldering look that opens this minute. Basically. <laughs> he looks so displeased. <laughs> He's just like, this is my brooding spot. Who he, are you? He just stares at the camera for a solid three or four seconds. There's a oh, lot of great. just silence. Just stare right. There's a lot of just pauses in Rivendell. We talked about this yeah. last week. Yeah, just uncomfortable <laughs> pauses. There's just so pregnant, many just pregnant moments. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I do love I, I love too the the stance he chooses to take while reading a book. That he just drapes himself all over that railing, just like just waiting for somebody to come and see him brooding. How does uh, he turn the page? I've no yeah. idea. Like <laughs> How does he comfortably turn the page? How he's like, sitting? There's oh, so much you effort involved. You haven't me reading. Like, yeah. <laughs> it takes me yeah. minutes to read one page, so I don't have to turn it for a while. Yeah. This is very comfortable. Yeah. He naps that way. This is yeah. my quarter hour per page book. Yeah, this is my... <laughs> this is very dense reading. He's, he's actually just reading Lord of the Rings on set. Right. Oh, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah. Do, does anybody know what that book actually is that he's reading? I mean, it's got an elvish title on it, so I have no idea. But uh, So it, it was probably just either nonsense or just quotes out of the book and stuff. I love Not it. Not sure exactly. I don't know what the calligraphy guy wrote in all the elvish he had to write. He oh, probably, yeah. But he sure had a lot of it to write. <laughs> he did. Thousands of pages. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> And he, he quit his job at the bank to take this job, and then he started doing calligraphy for another movie studio. There you go. So, oh, that's beautiful. You see, Lord of the Rings making <laughs> dreams come true, and all sorts of things. Yep. My always... only my only worry with like a professional calligrapher is that you know the carpal tunnel is a worry. Oh, I know. Oh God, yeah, yeah. Maybe he like switches. Maybe some days he like straps the pen to his elbow so that his wrist takes a break, and he's just like. <laughs> This when he's writing a uh, dark speed, right? Yeah. Sloppier. Because <laughs> he did all the, this. Right. One guy did all the calligraphy for the movie. All of it. That's insane. That's crazy. Ah, uh, it's like those like four people I think three or four people that just did chainmail all day every day mm -hmm. for like several eight hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the the handful of the handful of blacksmiths that made all the swords. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 We'll a, talk about a lot of them tomorrow. A lot. We will we'll talk, talk about, about a very tomorrow. specific sword right. tomorrow. Yeah. 
very very fancy very good sort <laughs> and yeah all right so you can find us on facebook we have a official page as well as a listener group and be sure to check us out on itunes leave a five-star review give us a good review mm-hmm. thank you very much it'll be awesome thank you for joining us again zach absolutely and happy to be here yeah and we will be back tomorrow uh, have a good thursday bye bye, bye. <laughs>